Welcome to Bible Curious, where we explore the entire Bible from cover to cover, asking ourselves, what is the Holy Bible? What claims does it make about God? And what message does it have for us today? Whether you are faithful or unfaithful, believing, unbelieving, or just plain curious, this series is for you. I'm Arthur Milliken, and today we will be reading Matthew chapters 14 through 17 from the World English Bible. You can find our reading plan at biblecurious.org forward slash plan. The Gospel According to Matthew chapter 14 Introduction Jesus' fame had escalated to a point where it was getting difficult for him to find any time alone at all, especially since John the Baptist's ministry had come to a tragic close and all attention was now focused on Jesus. This chapter includes the beheading of John, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus walks on water, Jesus heals at Gennesaret. Chapter 14 At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report concerning Jesus and said to his servants, This is John the baptizer. He is risen from the dead. That is why these powers work in him. For Herod had arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John said to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. When he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude, because they counted him a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced among them and pleased Herod. Therefore he promised with an oath to give her whatever she should ask. She, being prompted by her mother, said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the baptizer. The king was grieved, but for the sake of his oaths and of those who sat at the table with him, he commanded it to be given, and he sent and beheaded John in the prison. His head was brought on a platter and given to the young lady, and she brought it to her mother. His disciples came took the body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place apart. When the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. Jesus went out, and he saw a great multitude. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. When evening had come, his disciples came to him, saying, This place is deserted. And the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. They told him, We only have here five loaves and two fish. He said, Bring them here to me. He commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed broke, and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. They all ate and were filled. They took up twelve baskets full of that which remained left over from the broken pieces. Those who ate were about five thousand men, in addition to women and children. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. After he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain by himself to pray. 
When evening had come, he was there alone. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, distressed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Cheer up! It is I! Don't be afraid! Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the waters. He said, Come. Peter stepped down from the boat and walked on the waters to come to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was strong, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got up into the boat, the wind ceased. Those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, You are truly the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. When the people of that place recognized him, they sent into all the surrounding region and brought to him all who were sick, and they begged him that they might just touch the fringe of his garment. As many as touched it were made whole. As the size of Jesus' following grew, so did the magnitude of his miracles. When I first studied the feeding of the 5,000, I thought that maybe Jesus had made a calculated observation that some people brought more food than they needed for themselves and that if everyone shared what they brought, it would be enough to feed everyone. The miracle of sharing, so to speak. However, the Gospel of John chapter 6 is very specific in stating that it was the same five barley loaves which furnished the pieces collected after performing the miracle. Because John was the last gospel to be written, it is likely that John included these details specifically to refute incorrect interpretations such as the miracle of sharing. If you listen to my previous work, you may remember that I supposed Jesus' miracle of walking on water might be a poetic description of Jesus surfing. After all, it was a dark and stormy night, the water was choppy, why couldn't surfing be described as walking on water? However, Matthew's description of Peter also walking on water doesn't match my surfing theory. There just isn't any space in Matthew's narrative for Peter to have swam out to Jesus and take surfing lessons from him in the short span of time given. So it looks like I'm just going to have to retire that theory. As the size of Jesus' following grew, so did the magnitude of his miracles. The Gospel According to Matthew, Chapter 15, Introduction Jesus was poor, his followers were poor, and the Jewish Pharisees found their lower-class lifestyle to be unacceptable according to the traditions of the elders. This chapter includes the tradition of the elders, what defiles a man, the faith of the Canaanite woman, the feeding of the 4,000. Chapter 15 Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem, saying, Why do your disciples disobey the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered them, 
Why do you also disobey the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever may tell his father or his mother whatever help you might otherwise have gotten from me is a gift devoted to God. He shall not honor his father or mother. You have made the commandment of God void because of your tradition, you hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and they worship me in vain, teaching as doctrine rules made by men. He summoned the multitude and said to them, Hear and understand. That which enters into the mouth doesn't defile the man, but that which proceeds out of the mouth, this defiles the man. Then the disciples and came to him. Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered, every plant which my heavenly father didn't plant will be uprooted. Leave them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. If the blind guide the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter answered him, Explain the parable to us. So Jesus said, Do you still not understand? Don't you understand that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the belly and then out of the body? But the things which proceed out of the mouth come out of the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual sins, thefts, false testimony, and blasphemies. These are the things which defile the man, but to eat with unwashed hands doesn't defile the man. Jesus went out from there and withdrew into the region of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a Canaanite woman came out from those borders and cried, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, you, son of David. My daughter is severely possessed by a demon. But he answered her not a word. His disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. But he answered, I wasn't sent to anyone but the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, Help me. But he answered, It is not appropriate to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, Yes, Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Be it done to you even as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that hour. Jesus departed from there and came near to the Sea of Galilee. And he went up on the mountain and sat there. Great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others. And they put them down at his feet. He healed them, so that the multitude wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the injured healed, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they glorified the God of Israel. Jesus summoned his disciples and said, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have continued with me now three days and have nothing to eat. 
I don't want to send them away fasting, or they might faint on the way. The disciples said to him, Where could we get so many loaves in a deserted place as to satisfy so great a multitude? Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven, and a few small fish. He commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and the fish. He gave thanks and broke them, and gave to the disciples, and the disciples to the multitudes. They all ate and were filled. They took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces that were left over. Those who ate were four thousand men, in addition to women and children. Then he sent away the multitudes, got into the boat, and came into the borders of Magdala. When discussing what defiles a man, Jesus says that it's evil thoughts which come out of the heart which defile a man. This echoes the prophet Jeremiah during the 6th and 7th centuries BC who said, The heart is deceitful above all things, and it is exceedingly corrupt. Who can know it? Jeremiah chapter 17. And Ezekiel during the same period. I will also give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Ezekiel chapter 36. The encounter between Jesus and the Canaanite woman deserves comment. Because Jesus was the Jewish Messiah, he had specific duties based on scripture to focus on the children of Israel and could not direct his ministry toward non-Jews, also called Gentiles. Jesus' comment to her seems a little rude. It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. But her response is even more startling. Yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Perhaps Jesus' word for dog, which could be more precisely translated as puppy, was a hint to the Canaanite woman that Jesus intended no malice in his comment, but instead was using her petition as a teaching opportunity for his disciples. The woman had no intention of giving up hope and was willing to humble herself as much as necessary to put herself in right relation to Lord Jesus, who responded, Woman, great is your faith. Be it done to you even as you desire. Compare this Canaanite woman to the Roman centurion who made a similar request in chapter 8, and you will see that despite the large gap in social status between the woman and the centurion, Jesus' response to both are almost exactly the same. The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 16, Introduction By this time, the ministry of Jesus had captured the attention of another Jewish sect, the Sadducees. These included the temple priests from Jerusalem. Judaism in the time of Jesus was different from modern Judaism in that there was one single temple for all of Judaism in Jerusalem which was considered to be the only place where proper worship of God could occur. This worship consisted mainly of animal blood sacrifices and burnt offerings and was the process by which Jews could atone for their sins and consider themselves righteous before God. 
The synagogues within each local community served the function of Jewish classrooms and assembly halls and were the domain of the Pharisees, while the Temple of Jerusalem was the domain of the Sadducees. Both the Pharisees and Sadducees want Jesus to perform for them a sign, which is another way of saying miracle and was the accepted way of authenticating a man of God as actually being sent by Yahweh. Jesus will reply by referencing the prophet Jonah, who lived nine centuries earlier and was known for being swallowed by a whale or great fish for three days and three nights before being vomited up onto the shore. Jonah's book doesn't say that Jonah died while in the belly of the great fish, but Jesus's repeated references to Jonah in comparison to himself imply that maybe he did. This chapter includes the demand for a sign, the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, Peter's confession of Christ, Christ's passion foretold, take up your cross. Chapter 16. The Pharisees and Sadducees came, and testing him, asked him to show them a sign from heaven. But he answered them, saying, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. In the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites! You know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but you can't discern the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and there will be no sign given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. He left them and departed. The disciples came to the other side and had forgotten to take bread. Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They reasoned among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. Jesus, perceiving it, said, Why do you reason among yourselves, you of little faith, because you have brought no bread? Don't you yet perceive or remember the five loaves for the five thousand and how many baskets you took up? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand and how many baskets you took up? How is it that you don't perceive that I didn't speak to you concerning bread. But beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he didn't tell them to beware of the yeast of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, when Jesus came into the parts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, Some say John the Baptizer, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my assembly, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, 
and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you release on earth will have been released in heaven. Then he commanded the disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and the third day be raised up. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord! This will never be done to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan! You are a stumbling block for me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Or what will a man give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will render to everyone according to his deeds. Most certainly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will in no way taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The name Simon means hearing, while Peter means rock. Simon Peter's confession expresses two things, that Jesus is the promised Messiah, and also that he is the Son of the living God. While both Mark and Luke's Gospels record Peter's confession, only Matthew includes the phrase, Son of the living God, and only Matthew records Jesus' response. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my assembly, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you release on earth will have been released in heaven. Much has been said about this proclamation from Jesus in which Jesus gives Peter authority over his church. The Roman Catholic Church uses this passage to legitimize the authority of the papacy, claiming that Peter was the first pope. Jesus offers this authority to Peter because his confession reveals information which Peter could not have known from anyone other than the Father himself that Jesus is both the anointed Messiah of Judea and also the Son of the Living God. Son of the Living God was more than just a poetic expression of Jesus' greatness. It was a statement about Jesus' genetics. Mary became pregnant through artificial insemination, and the sperm donor was none other than Yahweh himself, who was, quite literally, Jesus' 
actual biological father, making Jesus quite literally Yahweh's only begotten son. The Gospel According to Matthew, Chapter 17, Introduction Six days after Peter's stunning confession about Jesus' parentage, Jesus takes Peter along with two other disciples, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, up a high mountain where Jesus reveals more to them about his divine nature. This was an immediate fulfillment of Jesus' closing words of the previous chapter. Most certainly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will in no way taste of death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This chapter includes the transfiguration, the boy with a demon, the power of faith, the second prediction of the passion, the temple tax. Chapter 17 After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John his brother, and brought them up into a high mountain by themselves. He was changed before them. His face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as the light. Behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you want, let's make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Behold, a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son. In him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were very afraid. Jesus came and touched them and said, Get up and don't be afraid. Lifting up their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Don't tell anyone what you saw until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. His disciples asked him, saying, Then why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Jesus answered them, Elijah indeed comes first and will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has come already. And they didn't recognize him, but did to him whatever they wanted to. Even so, the Son of Man will also suffer by them. Then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the baptizer. When they came to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is epileptic and suffers grievously, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Jesus answered, Faithless and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long will I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it went out of him, and the boy was cured from that hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and asked, Why weren't we able to cast it out? He said to them, Because of your unbelief. 
For most certainly, I tell you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. But this kind doesn't go out except by prayer and fasting. While they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be delivered up into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And the third day, he will be raised up. They were exceedingly sorry. When they had come to Capernaum, those who collected the didrachma coins came to Peter and said, Doesn't your teacher pay the didrachma? He said, Yes. When he came into the house, Jesus anticipated him, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of earth receive toll or tribute? From their children or from strangers? Peter said to him, From strangers. Jesus said to him, Therefore the children are exempt. But, lest we cause them to stumble, go to the sea, cast a hook, and take up the first fish that comes up. When you have opened its mouth, you will find a stator coin. Take that and give it to them for me and you. During Jesus' transfiguration on the mountaintop, Peter, John, and James hear a terrible voice from heaven declare that Jesus is his son. This is a direct confirmation of Peter's confession made six days earlier that Jesus was the son of the living God. Jesus then repeats what he said earlier about Elijah, that he had already come in the person of John the Baptist, and that he will come again to restore all things in preparation for Jesus' second coming. Matthew does not explain why the sons of Zebedee, John and James, were given the special privilege of accompanying Peter to witness Jesus' transfiguration. However, from John's gospel, we learn that he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. So we must assume that they had a special relationship, even if the nature of that relationship is not explicitly stated. Now that Jesus' ministry was approaching its climax, Jesus starts dropping more and more hints about how it will all end. But his disciples are slow to pick up these hints. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive anyone who is indebted to us. Bring us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thank you for listening. If you've satisfied any of your Bible curiosity, please rate this series. If you have feedback, write a review. And if you're still curious for more, please subscribe so that we can send you timely updates. And join us for our next episode where we will be reading Matthew chapters 18 through 20, A Mother's Request. This is Arthur Milliken saying, good night and God bless. <laughs>